You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 20, verses 1 through 29, Zophar's assessment of the wicked man. This is Zophar's second and final appeal to Job, whereas his first one in chapter 11 urged Job to repent. This one is more judgmental. It's as if he has acknowledged that Job refuses to take his advice and repent, so he just lumps him in with the wicked men of the earth and lists all the judgments that will inevitably befall him. He feels Job has dishonored him by his rebuke, and because he is troubled by it, he must respond. He appeals to history. He uses the evidence that from the beginning of the world, which he describes as ever since mankind was placed on the earth, to show that wicked men, even if they appear happy for a time, will eventually be judged. While it is wrong to apply this to Job, his theology was right on this point. It is true that the joy of wicked men is short-lived, for what is this short life compared to eternity? His doctrine was orthodox, his application was wrong. However, let's take the truth of his words and better apply them to our understanding of the world and judgment. Zophar uses words like wicked and godless to describe this representative person. He says, his pride reaches to the heavens and his head touches the clouds. This is reminiscent of the Tower of Babel, which was a monument to men's men's ability and pride and independence of God. But Zophar says, in spite of his pride, he will perish forever, like his own dung. People will ask where he has gone. Then he uses the image of a dream to show how fleeting his life is. Like a dream he flies away, no more to be found, banished like a vision of the night. The eye that saw him will not see him again. His place will look on him no more. Then he says his children will be responsible for the debts he amassed, so they will be left with nothing of his former wealth. He implies that he would die young. It's believed that Job was middle-aged at this time, as his children, before they died, were young adults, old enough to drink wine and have their own houses. Even though he tries to hold on to the pleasures of this life and cannot bear to let it go, like a delicious morsel of food hidden under his tongue, it will turn sour in his stomach and he will vomit it up. He will have no enjoyment in life. He refers to them as rivers flowing with honey and cream which is the term God will use to describe the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He again says he will not enjoy a profit, and instead he must restore the proceeds of his business for which he labored, which implies that they were obtained through illicit means, like oppression of the poor and destitute, and violently seizing a house he did not build. He says surely he will have no respite from his craving. He cannot save himself by his treasure. This is an accurate description of people. They claim they are setting goals, being ambitious, reaching toward the next thing, but in reality they are discontent and never satisfied. They always want more. Proverbs 30, 15 and 16 says, The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, land, which is never satisfied with water, and fire, which never says enough. 
Conversely, but godliness with contentment is great gain, 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says. So the second part of that verse, that he cannot save himself by his treasure, reminds us that God cannot be bribed, even if men can. Psalm 49, 6-9 says, Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom of a life is costly. No payment is ever enough, so that they should live on forever and not see decay. Zophar paints a picture of com a complete reversal of fortunes, of judgment falling in the midst of prosperity and ease, of being pursued by violence. He describes a man shot in the back by an arrow which pierces right through to his liver. To be shot in the back implies he didn't see his end coming, which is often how death comes. Then he speaks of terror, darkness, and consuming fire, which devours anything he has remaining. Fire does devour, leaving nothing but ashes in place of all our possessions. And these words also describe hell. And while we rejoice in our salvation, we should never forget that we were on our way there with not a thought to our souls. Were it not for the grace and mercy of God, we would remain on that path. We must always look at unbelievers with an understanding and sympathetic eye and admit, like John Bradford, the English pastor who watched men being led to their execution, said, There, but for the grace of God, go I. He says the heavens will expose his guilt. The earth will rise up against him. So heaven reveals our sin, and the evidence against us is on earth. Heaven and earth testify against this person. He says the end result is judgment by God, carrying the wicked away as floodwaters carry off houses. He calls this their fate and heritage appointed to them for God. And while it's a fact that God judges the wicked and there is no injustice with him, because we all deserve hell if we really understand God's holiness and our sinfulness, there is the corresponding truth that a sovereign God assigns people to hell. No one can blame God for this because they love their sin and would continue to rebel against God unless he intervened to save them by grace. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We may argue against it, but deep inside, we know it to be true. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? Zophar said Job must restore the wealth he obtained through illicit means. To be led to restore what was obtained illegally as a result of our conversion is a mark of true repentance and an act of grace, like Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, 8 and 9, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. But to be forced to return it because of a guilty conscience, like Judas, brings no comfort or benefit. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, 
was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed, and went and hanged himself. So far said a person could not save himself by his treasure, because God cannot be bribed. It is true that wealth cannot save a soul. Zophar described hell as terror and total darkness and fire. Jesus described it this way as well. Jesus is our only shelter from the storm of God's wrath. Zophar said the wicked person and their goods would be carried away as in a flood. Jesus said the future judgment would be sudden and overwhelming as Noah's flood had been. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 21. May God bless the study of his word.